0: church. It is good to be with the mighty Harlem ministry. I'm grateful that uh, James and Salika asked me back just to get a taste of Harlem once a year. So uh, this, is, uh, this is exciting. My, uh, my wife and my daughter are here and the younger daughter is in the children's ministry. So we are just happy to be here today. Has anybody been watching the news this past month? Encouraging, isn't it? Well, that's right. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. It can be discouraging watching the news lately, right? And then after you watch the news, you get on social media. And you see even more craziness out there. And what's amazing to me is that we have very, very smart and intelligent people, educated people who can make some of the craziest statements, right? In our anger or in our frustration, we can put stuff out there that's just not wise. Now, it's easy to look at people who are on TV and all of that and judge them. But I think We've all done and said some unwise things in our life, correct? I know for me, I remember there was one time I had a parking ticket, and you know, they wrote down the wrong address on the parking ticket, so that means you don't have to pay it, right? So I went to a parking court, and you know, you're in the court, and the judge is sitting on the seat, and there's all these other people in the courtroom and the judge hears case by case and everybody can hear the case that's going up against uh, going ahead of them and so this old lady got up and you know the judge uh, asked her to come up to the front and he just hammered her he was like you're a lawbreaker you're a criminal and this woman she she couldn't speak english that well you could tell she was afraid and i'm looking at this judge and i'm thinking You know, why do you have to do that to this woman? Here she is. She's afraid. You're using your power to kind of lord it over her. And anyway, so that case went, and then I was up next. So I already had a bit of an attitude towards this judge, (laughs) which is not the best way to go into a situation when you're about to present your case. So I go up there, and the judge says to me, so, Mr. Brace, why did you willingly break the law on purpose? I said, no, judge, I, I didn't break the law on purpose. He said, and he interrupted me. He said, no, you broke the law on purpose. Why? And so you know you have that conversation in your head, like, there's two ways we can go with this. I can decide to be humble and do what I know is right, or I can go with how I'm feeling. So on this day, I didn't make the right decision. And so I said to him, listen. No, I did not break the law on purpose. The English dictionary definition of the word on purpose is to do something with willful intent. Now, anyone with a basic understanding of the English language would understand this and would not make that mistake. And what's more, the address on my ticket is incorrect, so we may as well just wrap that up so we can both go home. How do you think that worked out for me? (laughs) Not too well. It was not my finest moment. But we've all done things like that. We're in the middle of what we're doing. We know this is not the smartest way to go right here. And we've done these things that, luckily, this was just a parking ticket. But we've done things that have affected our lives in very real ways. So with all the craziness out there and with all the crazy decisions we make, Where do we go to find wisdom? Where do we go to get good at life? Where do we go to know the best way to deal with our time here on earth? So the message today is finding wisdom. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much that you are a gracious God. And that no matter how many times we make mistakes, that you will forgive us and you will love us. But, God, we thank you that you've given us your word as a guide to show us how to be good at this life here, to get the most out of this life and live it to the full. As we look in the scriptures, Lord, please remove me out of the way and let um, your word speak, let our hearts be open, and let us learn from your word how to get wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, what is wisdom? You know, when I first came to Harlem... Uh, many years ago, there used to be these guys who would sit in the park on, uh, up there near Dance City Harlem on 150th Street, and they would sit me down, and they could see from you know, my English accent and my bewilderment at being in New York that I needed some help, and they would talk to me about Harlem and how to be in New York. But you know, wisdom, we're going to look in the, in the book of Proverbs, but before I get into what wisdom is, I want to talk about what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not nice sayings. Wisdom is not the stuff you find in your fortune cookie. It is not the old man sitting on a rock, a sage who's achieved enlightenment. Wisdom is not your SAT scores. It is not your IQ. It is not the degrees you have or the academia you have. It's none of those things. That's why really smart people can do really dumb things. Wisdom, look, if you say, look, you don't understand, I can't be wise, I don't understand complex theories and all of that, that's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is also not intimidated by the smart people in the room. Wisdom is available to anybody who asks for it. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Because sometimes we can be made to feel like we're not in on some secret or if we don't have some success here, we can feel like we're not wise. But that's not what wisdom is. Let's look at a few things we learn about wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 5. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. What's the first thing we learn about wisdom here? Wisdom is personified as a woman. My sisters are like, oh yes, I always knew that. Now, don't make the mistake that just because you're a woman, that automatically means you are wise. Now, we do have a lot of wise sisters here. I know that. But it would not be wise to assume. So, the Bible also says that in James 1, that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask for it. So, my first point is wisdom of life. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 8 now. Proverbs chapter 8, this scripture right here is defined as wisdom's core. And it really is, we're going to read the whole way through it, but it really defines what wisdom is, who she is, and her place um, in the creation of the world. So let's read from Proverbs uh, chapter 8 verse 1 does not wisdom call aloud does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance she cries aloud to you O people i call out i raise my voice to all mankind you who are simple gain prudence you who are foolish set your hearts on it listen for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. It starts there and it says, Wisdom is calling out. She's calling out in the marketplaces, she's calling out in the public places. She wants you to hear her amongst the noise of life, amongst the noise television of advertising of social media of secular philosophies of anything that is not aligned with the truth wisdom is calling out to you and she wants you to hear are we listening now when it says she cries out that word in the hebrew is more like a scream of joy because she's excited that she's giving you the keys to life That's what wisdom is. She is your fan. We read on. Let's drop down to verse 12. It says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. Read on verse 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of all his works. Before his deeds of old, I was formed long, uh, long ages ago at the beginning when the world came to be. When there was no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep what's the very first thing god ever created was wisdom before anything was created before there was a let there be light wisdom was the first thing god created And Jewish thought leaders would understand this. They would understand the value of wisdom who was there with God before anything else was created. By the earth, uh, by the foundations of the earth, Proverbs uh, 3.19, that's what's created by wisdom. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is the reality of how this whole world works together. Wisdom is a reality of how everything connects. It's not just some wise sayings. It's not just some great concepts. But it's how everything works. The world, our lives, our hearts, our minds. That's what was there before the creation of the world. And that is what we get to tap into if we only just ask for it. You know, this is rich. But I think we can settle for the fortune cookie wisdom, right? When we go to somebody for advice, we just want them to tell us a quick answer. You do a Google search, you want to get the top ten list. Without going deeper, wisdom is the very blueprint of who you are. In verse 30, it says, she rejoices in the presence of God and she delights over us. Wisdom is rooting for you to be great at life. You don't get this just because you've got a degree. You don't get this just because you've been to a certain school or you know the right people. This comes from being connected to the Word of God. This is where you get good at life. Look, we've got a lot. I know for me, I've got a lot of things I need to be good at. I need to be a good father, a good son, a good brother, uh, a uh, a good boss, disciple, citizen, employer, friend, human being. We've got a lot of things that we need to be good at. How do you become good at all of those things? We have the guidebook in the scriptures. But here's the other thing about wisdom. She has some attitude. You read in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20. And wisdom says, look, if you ignore all of my advice, I will laugh at your calamity when it overtakes you. Wisdom is saying, look, I'm going to give you all of this stuff, but if you choose to ignore me, I will laugh at the calamity when it comes upon you. You know when you, you have that aunt or that uncle who when you mess up is the one who says, I told you so? And to remind you and list all of the things that you did wrong? Wisdom is kind of like that. She gives you the solution, but if you don't take it, She's like, look, that's on you. So here's, what do we learn about wisdom? It was there from the creation of the earth. It's better than all the riches in the world. You get enduring wealth, righteousness. The Bible says nothing compares to her. She will preserve your life. She will teach you discretion. She gives you insight and power. And if you find her, you will find life. She will bless you. Look at all you get. And God gives this to you freely. Now, How does that make you feel about opening your Bible? About going to the Scriptures to find solutions for your everyday life? Are we still doing that? I mean, the details of your life. Do we dig into the Proverbs? You just look at the wisdom literature, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. This is wisdom literature. This will teach you how to live life. If you're visiting here today and you're trying to think, trying to put things together. How did this go wrong? Or what am I supposed to be doing? Or what should I be focused on? Or how am I going to work all of this stuff out? The answers are right here for you. But you gotta reach out. You gotta reach out and you gotta get into this. Point number two wisdom of wisdom and truth. Proverbs chapter twenty three, verse twenty three. The Bible reads, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Buy the truth and do not sell it. How many of you have been to a car showroom and tried to buy a car? Do you trust the salesperson? Inherently, you just don't trust him, right? Him or her, whoever it is. And you ask a lot of questions because you're trying to get to what the real facts are. Is this a good car? Am I getting a good deal? Is this car going to run when I drive it off the lot? And And you can't really figure it out. Even in this whole political discourse, after one of the debates, what do they do the very next morning? Fact check. Let's see what's true and let's see what's not true. See, I think, you know, out there it's hard to kind of figure out what the truth is. But sometimes, in our own lives, it's hard to figure out what the truth is about ourselves, about who we are. Have you ever done something and thought, why did I do that? Why did I respond that way? Why do I keep running into this same wall?" right? You know, permit, indulge me with this story. I had a client who told me this story about a woman. And she was very successful. She was in the medical field. She built a big business. But she was always having trouble with her interpersonal relationships. Her employees would work for her. She would think it was going great. And then they would leave. She would have friends. And even as a kid, her friends would get upset with her. And she wouldn't know why. And so she went through life just not being able to connect the dots in in these relationships. And, you know, eventually she just figured, you know, I'm just more intelligent than other people. They don't get me, and I'm smarter than them. And that's what she settled with. That's all she had to go with. She was confident, but she was also lonely and depressed. And then at one point, she started talking to a friend. And this friend had just been through a process where she figured out that she has Asperger's. As an adult, her friend figured out she actually had Asperger's. Now, and her friend was part of this, this new study. Now, I'm not a psychologist, so I have a very basic understanding, but... One of the parts of Asperger's is that you cannot understand the the emotional subtext of communication. If anybody has uh, experienced this, they know it's a very, very difficult thing. So, for instance, this is is an example. If you come to me and say, can I borrow your car? And I say, sure, you can borrow my car. You automatically understand by the way I've responded to you, I'm saying, no, you cannot borrow my car, right? (laughs) Just by the way that I respond to you, sure. Now, a person with Asperger's may think, oh, he means yes, and go for your car keys. Because they're not reading the emotional subtext of what you're saying, right? So here's this woman, and she's just figured out, man, that could be me. This could be what I've been missing. So she goes to, uh, to have this study, and she gets treatment. And what they would do is they would make her read a sentence, kind of like what I just told you about the car. And she would miss all of the real communication that was going on. She would miss the subtext or the context of what was being said. Then they would give her the treatment. And after they gave her the treatment, she understood She could read what was really being said behind the words, what was really being said, whether it was sarcastic, whether it was emotional. She could read it. And so for the first time in her life, her eyes were open. She was like, this is what I've been missing. This is how everybody else communicates. And her eyes were open because she could see just what the reality was. She knew she could see she was living in an alternate reality. Now, here's the thing about the study. The results only lasted for 40 minutes. So imagine that. You've been outside of reality your whole life. You get a snippet of it for 40 minutes, and then it's gone. And they asked her, this this was a podcast, they asked this woman, would you have done it again, knowing what you know now, and knowing that you're not going to have it all the time? She said, yes, because you know, it changed my life knowing this is how other people have been connecting, knowing what I've been missing, knowing, you know, that there is something else that I don't quite, I I can't quite grasp. It gives me hope. Why am I telling you this story? Because without the wisdom from the scriptures, we all have spiritual Asperger's. Without the wisdom of what God is trying to teach us, We're not connected to reality. We have blind spots in our personality, in our spirit, in the way we see the world. We don't see the biggest spiritual subtext of what's going on in our lives and what's going on around the world. Have you ever ever had a friend who always sees things spiritually? To me, it's annoying. If I'm upset, I just want to be upset. I don't want to hear, well, you know, it's really because they're helpless and harassed that that's why they responded to you that way. Right? You have those people who always see things the spiritual way because they're connected to this wisdom. And just like in the study, it only lasted 40 minutes. Unless we're connected to the word over and over and over again, it's only temporary. We've got to be connected to the wisdom from the scriptures. This is exactly why smart people do dumb things. And as soon as we turn away, James says, you know, if you um, if you look into the word and don't don't do what it says, it's like a man who forgets his face, right? We forget the reality before us. We need a source that is grounded in reality. The lines between. Uh, in the world that we live in, between reality and, and non-reality, are blurred. Look at reality TV. Some people believe that that's true. You look on social media. And have you ever looked at somebody's Facebook page and it just looks awesome? And you're looking at it and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? And what we're doing is we're comparing our everyday life to somebody else's highlight reel. You know, even in my life, I look at, I love my kids. My wife and I sometimes scratch our heads. We're educated people. We've been in the church a while. We've preached. We've learned the scriptures. And sometimes our two kids, 13 and 6 years old, as much as we love them, can just confound us. As we're trying to figure out what do we do, how do we talk to them, what's the right way to say this? Do we are we strong here? Do, are we permissible here? What do we do? And my wife and I were talking, and you know, so look, we try to do the best job that we can, but we're clearly not experts. We rely on the grace of God. We get advice from a lot of people. But why am I telling you this? About last year, well, was it last year? It was actually this year. My daughter and I were invited to this this, uh, website and they were doing a series on Father's Day. And they were doing a series where they just wanted fathers to talk to their daughters about their relationship and and what their relationship was like. So they had us on and to be quite honest, I didn't share anything that anybody who's been in the scriptures or hasn't been in a discipling time or hasn't been to some parenting devo wouldn't say. And we just communicated, they filmed this thing, and that was it. My daughter and I, we walked out. Now, that video, it's like a five-minute video, has had over a million views since June. Why? It's not because I'm wise or we were saying anything, you know, that nobody here knows. It's because we've been trained by the wisdom in the scriptures. We've got to understand, people want what we have. What we take for granted, the discipline we get, the insight we get, people want it, it is of value. One million views? Like, why? And then I'm getting people uh, sending me messages and that was so inspiring. Now my daughter's like, yeah, whatever, a million views. Like to me, people want what we have. Are we ignoring what we have? The other day, um, uh, well last, in September, was my wife's 40th birthday. It was a great time I threw a surprise party and I, I really got her she was you know um, when she heard the surprise she almost fell down the stairs it was crazy but what was more encouraging was that she invited friends from her from her job and you know as we do as disciples we share and we had videos from people um, in different cities sharing about dawn and uh, it was just an encouraging time for her people from her job Later on said to her, this is not real. This can't be real. This, this can't be real. She's like, all your friends are paid actors because nobody shares love like this. And then they call us the unicorn family because, it's you know, it's a unicorn. It just can't be real. This is, this is fictional. People want what we have. We had friends there was reaching out to, and, he, and this friend was like, this is really special. And I think we forget what we have. We forget. We forget how powerful the different, the life that we live is. To us, it's normal. But think about what your life would be like if you didn't have the scriptures. The stuff we complain about, so-and-so is all up in my business. She's asking me how I'm doing. Like th- That stuff we complain about, that's valuable. This is wisdom calling out to you proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 the wisdom of the heart bible says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it proverbs 14 verse 10 says each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy we've got to guard our hearts my question to you just as your brother is how are you doing How are you doing? I don't know what's happening here, but I know in different parts of the church, you know, we're not as tightly knit in in mentoring relationships and learning from each other as we used to be. And maybe there isn't a structured way to do it. The Bible doesn't say a structured way, but the principles are there. And so my question is, how are you really doing? What's going on with you? Life is stressful. I don't know about you. Who... Face stress this week. Right? We all face stress. You know, I talk to my wife, I say sometimes, and not to make light of of, uh, any kind of uh, mental illness or or, or disorder, but sometimes I do feel like I'm bipolar. I've got these two competing things going on with me. The scripture right here says, uh, each heart knows its own bitterness. And no one else can share its joy. It's saying that the heart can carry two things at the same time. You can be happy and you can be miserable at the same time. There's some things in my life that are stressing me out right now. Just, I don't know what to do. I'm having trouble figuring it out. But then there's things that I'm so encouraged about. And all in the same mind and heart at the same time. And so I think sometimes we can be, how are you doing? Good. No, no one's just one thing or the other. Some things are good, some things are stressful. We've got to be able to talk about these things, get these things out. Sometimes you don't even know what you're struggling with. I know, you know, Dawn and I, we, uh, there was a, one week, it was so busy, so much going on. We were uh, biting at each other. We ended up going to this diner and talking about what's really going on, and it, it was not what we thought it was. How are you doing? When was the last time you got deep with somebody? I'm not even talking about confessing sin. Just talked about life. Your struggles, your joys, your disappointments, the things you're confused about. We've got to get deep. We have it right here. I was on this panel discussion a, a couple of months, months back and the discussion was about um, how men can help, it was called the superwomen in their lives. Women who just are doing everything. They're working, taking care of kids, they're serving their community, taking care of families. Any women like that here? Overly stressed. So in in this meeting, you know, this guy got frustrated, and he was like, listen, when a woman gets pregnant... She has the midwife. The family comes around. Everybody's there for the woman. Everybody's there to make sure she's doing good. What about the men? Exactly. And the other women were like, yeah, what about the men? Like, (laughs) we're the ones giving birth. What's what's the big deal here? But the guy's point was, look, where do men go out there in the world to talk about their fears? Where do they go to talk about them being insecure, insecure, that they don't know what to do? They don't know what decisions to make. Where do they go? They don't have that outlet. And so it's no wonder that you have men making these crazy decisions about their families when they can't be real with what's going on. We have that right here. Wisdom says listen to your heart. Wisdom says be honest with your heart. Be honest with where you're at. Sometimes it's not good enough to try and disciple yourself out of something. Sometimes you just need to say the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we need to allow each other to say it. We need to allow... Don't be surprised. I think sometimes we act surprised at sin. The whole reason we're here today is because there's a man called Jesus Christ who died 2,000 years ago to save us all from sin. So... I'm not sure about you, but I don't think we should be surprised, right? We've got to be willing to be open. And finally, the wisdom of questions. In the Jewish tradition, there's a Jewish tradition of asking questions. Now, what does that mean? It means they were taught how to ask questions to get to a deeper truth. If you look through the Bible, Jesus asked 307 questions in the Gospels. 307. He has asked 183 questions. How many do you think he answers directly? Three. Why? Jesus was more interested in asking questions to stimulate you to think. What are the the parables? They're there to stimulate you to think, to stay curious. There's uh, There's this old story of the difference between a Jewish mother and a Christian mother. They send their kids to school. The Christian mother says, what did you learn at school today? The Jewish mother says, what questions did you ask at school today? Because the Jewish mother wants to know, is your brain working? Are you asking questions? Are you seeking deeper knowledge? You know, they did not separate their faith from their intelligence. There's a whole thing called the Midrash, which is full of Jewish scribes and teachers deciphering one scripture and all their teachings in the different ways of looking at it. And they didn't downplay anybody else's interpretation because they were all looking for the truth. This Jewish tradition of asking questions was to lead to a deeper truth. In Luke chapter 2, what's the first thing that when they lose Jesus, what does he say he was doing? He was in the temple, temple, listening to the teachers and asking questions. That's the very first thing we hear about Jesus as he's starting to grow. And it says people looked at him and they were impressed by him. Asking questions. Ecclesiastes is Solomon asking questions about what to do with life here on earth if i told you i'm going to spend my money just all of the money that i have trying to figure out what to do here on earth that i'm going to have a harem i'm going to have concubines and i'm going to do, uh, fill my heart with all the pleasures that i desire what would you say you'd say bro don't do that it's not smart but yet he has a book in the bible Jesus on the cross, what's the last thing he says? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. He's asking questions all the way to the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those of you who are mature, are you still asking questions? Have you settled on the seven studies as the depth of your spiritual knowledge? How far are you going? Because if you're not asking questions, especially those of you who've been around for 10, 15, 20 years, your faith is stagnant. You have heard every message preached that there is to be preached. You know what I was going to say before I said it. So you can't rely on midweek service. You can't rely on Sunday service if your faith is going to grow you have to go deeper do we welcome questions or do we try to shut them down we've got to get deeper you know the early church they were trying to figure out what christianity meant for their day and their time what does christianity mean right now in this age with everything that's going on what does it mean for today See, I think sometimes we're so busy trying to be the church of the first century, we fail to be the church of the 21st century. We fail to be who we need to be here right now, like back there was the answer. Yes, there's things to learn from back there, but who do we need to be right now? Jesus' movement was a contemporary movement. When you hear Jesus is Lord, the reason they said Jesus is Lord is because it was a reaction to the fact that Caesar used to say, Caesar is Lord. And so they would say, no, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. You've heard the the phrase, there is no name under heaven under which men can be saved but Jesus Christ, right? It's because that was a reaction to the fact that Caesar would say, there is no name under heaven by which men can be served except for that of Caesar. Caesar. It was a contemporary movement. It was a reaction to what was going on in the day. How is your Christianity relevant to what's happening right now? Turn on the news. How is your Christianity relevant to what you see on the news today? It has to be Christianity Jesus today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to open our eyes. You know, look, Dawn and I... You know, we don't have the perfect marriage. I think we have a good marriage, but it's not perfect. But even still, people see some of the stuff. Whenever I post pictures on on Facebook of my wife and my kids, you know, gets loads and loads of reactions. And so people have seen those pictures, and they know that I'm a Christian. They know that, you know, that uh, that's how we love our lives. And so we were invited to come on a podcast, a secular podcast, to talk about how you keep marriage together from a Christian perspective. Why? Because people want what we have. If you don't believe that, if you don't understand that, just look at how helpless and harassed people are. We undervalue what we have, people. We undervalue the scriptures. We undervalue the wisdom from the scriptures that we have. You know, one of the things I love, and I'm coming to close here, about when I studied the Bible, is that they taught us that we right now are just part of a rich history of people wrestling with the scriptures and trying to make it apply to their everyday lives right now. So if you studied the Bible back then, first of all, you knew there was the Jesus movement. And then you knew there was a first century church. And then you were taught about Josephus, who was a a biblical teacher and Constantine, who uh, brought Christianity uh, to the rest of the world, and Martin Luther, and the Anabaptists, and the Campbellites. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, this is your Christian lineage of people who've always been wrestling with the Scriptures throughout time to make it relevant and to help save the world who asked questions, who wrestled with the scriptures. Look, some of us are dealing with stuff with our kids right now that did not exist when you were a kid. Some of the stuff we see out there, we don't even recognize. It makes no sense to us. But what are we going to do? Are we going to pull back from it? Are we going to shun it? Or are we going to lean into it with the wisdom from the scriptures? God wants us to explore these things, not to be afraid of them, Not to close our eyes to them, but to go into the center of them and see what the wisdom of the Bible has to say, how Jesus can help. That's how we're going to change the world. So guys, we need to wake up. We need to go deeper. If you're visiting, I guarantee you, there are people in this room who can open the scriptures with you and show you the answers that you've been seeking. And if they can't find the answer, they'll know somebody here who can. Don't look at anyone asking you to study as you having to make a final decision. Just examine the scriptures. Just see what it has to say. Just be open to the solutions that are there. And be prepared to think differently. Because the scriptures are counterintuitive. What the world says if someone hits you, what will we taught? Hit him back. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. What does that mean? What does that really mean? The Bible, guys, is full of all kinds of wisdom. In closing, wisdom is calling out to you. Through all of your experiences day to day, she's calling out, will you listen? Wisdom wants to show you the truth. Are you open to it? Wisdom can fix your heart. Are you humble enough to let her in? Wisdom wants you to keep asking questions. Are you still curious? Are you still thirsty? And finally, wisdom is free to everybody who asks. All you need to do is ask. To God be the glory.